This week's episode of Queer Horror Cult contains conversations surrounding transphobia, anti-trans violence, and anti-trans rhetoric. Listener discretion is advised. He went into a psycho ward a couple years ago. And while he was there, the doctors gave him a sex change, and our parents' taxes paid for it. back to Queer Horror Cult. Hey y'all. If you've been joining us so far, that's pretty cool. I've been looking over the uh, analytics that come with the where we host our podcast and we're getting some reach to cool places. Mm-hmm. You know? um, Brazil and Argentina, um, all over the states, uh, and yet Canada seems to be pretty much here in Edmonton. <laughs> so we know that like none of our friends have listened to us, but you know, shout out to everybody literally everywhere else. No, I mean, like, Ed- Edmonton's the only place in Canada oh, that has listens as far as I, I can I take tell. that back, okay. I'll double check. I might not have looked too closely, but at the very, um, as far as Canada goes, I'd say about 95% of the listens are from friends. Fair enough. Okay, I'm sorry yeah. I doubted you. Yeah, yeah, we love you, friends. Hopefully pretty soon we'll start having some of them on in mm-hmm. that they have pretty good insights and uh, lot to bring to the table as experts of horror as as well as being experts of being super gay. Yeah, but unfortunately they're also adults with full-time jobs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so makes it kind of difficult, but the holidays are coming up, we'll get people together. It should be fun. Yeah, I guess that's something to hopefully look forward to. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so I guess start where we always start, we should talk about those recommendations. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, on account of life and shit happens and all of that lovely stuff, um, we didn't actually get to watch last time the um, recommendations from last time. No, we did not. But we still wanted to get an episode out. So yeah, yeah, that, life yeah. kind of came at us, so we, uh, oh well. Yeah. Um, Our time was fine elsewhere, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, we've both seen Battle Royale before. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add? So maybe why you picked it? Yeah, I guess one thing I didn't really touch on is this sort of notion, this pervasive notion throughout, I'll say, Western history at least, and from like, you know, ancient Rome at least onwards, of this sort of idea of needing to have a blood sport and this certain amount of like sacrifice and this death cult mentality and whatnot, and almost like we in some way or another need to feel the need rather to shed blood on somebody's behalf in order to maintain what we have going for us, whether it be a prosperity or to ensure the sun comes up tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like, and even though we, as a society, or in the West again, I think largely view ourselves as being rather sort of like post-religion yeah. or moving towards like secular kind of everyday life, there's, it's interesting to see that underlying element of the, of the ritual and how it gets repurposed into different ways, be it through, 
you know, dieting now is clean eating. Right. Is a sort of like ritual purification versus imaginations of or imaginings of the future with these, these whether it's sacrificing your children to battle royale yeah. or the Hunger Games, this idea that there still needs to be some kind of underlying ritual to hold society together. Yeah, and going off of what you said about the secularizing, rather than it be to, like you said, make sure the sun rises in the morning or something, uh, it's coded as a social program yeah. in uh, Battle Royale. And it's for the good of everyone. Which, uh, you know, harkens back to our talk on The Purge, in which yeah. there's this sort of, like, psychological pseudoscience going on <laughs> behind why... The purge is so important for humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And um, I hadn't really considered it in those terms either, uh, but that's interesting because that'll definitely factor into Series 7, or it can, mm-hmm. with my choice for Series Just 7, The Contender. Yeah, we're still going to watch it because yes. it's great. I promise it. Um, but because it's this uh, reality show that everyone flocks to. It's done like a national blood sport, but it's just a televised reality show over the now in this sort of alternate reality where uh, a running esque a running man esque uh, program of let's kill each other for sport, the victor will win and will will get something that helps them in their position in society. Um, but it's all being televised for your entertainment. And the entertainment factor was the other reason I picked it in terms of the purge, because like you'd mentioned with the purge there's a carnivalesque uh, aspect to mm-hmm. it. You definitely get that in Series 7 where everything they've got the over-the-top announcer and everything's done in this really tongue-in-cheek, darkly comedic way. Like, it's supposed to be entertainment, first and foremost, even though we're watching this horrible stuff. And the participants really get into it, like some of the participants in The Purge, where you have the people that spent all their time and money seemingly... Uh, tricking out their cars and setting up their purge costumes. Uh, in the TV show, that guy had that gauntlet that he was televising. Yeah, that's right. Um, whereas in this one, you've got uh, the the parents, like the sort of soccer mom-esque character, who, when their kid is picked to participate, they drive them around in their minivan and are just like, good for you, honey, it's time to go commit murders, and like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's um, this interesting moment that kind of reminds me of this sort of uh, communal everyday aspect of the purge mm-hmm. and with you mentioned with the televising there which you also see in you know the hunger games and parts of the purge and stuff it really ties back to the idea of the spectacle yes whether or not it's whether or not we personally find it entertaining or horrific you can't look away it's a, it makes a spectacle out of it and demands our attention yeah for sure like it it does that notion you brought up of the gladiator blood sport. Yeah, which is funny because, you know, being a classic smiler. Oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> gladiators were rarely actually killed. I think, what was it, something like only 20-ish percent of them died of their injuries, and often that was, like, after the fact. It's funny that 20% is rarely, but, I mean, I well, guess compared to, like, someone dies every fight, so 50% of them die. Yeah, no, it was, uh, per they battle. definitely drew blood, because that was, you know, the it's blood, a blood sport. sport. Exactly, but they they didn't often have them killed, because, you know, they're, they're expensive to maintain, you know? Like, that's someone's team, and they put their money in behind it, and, yeah, they're not just going to off somebody every time. Yeah, so... I think a, a good couple movies to watch together. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of you managed to actually do that and wanted to tweet at us about it, uh, we have 
got our Twitter figured out. We are at Queer Horror Cult. Nice and simple. One word. Name of our show. Consistent. Yeah. Platforms. Yeah, that's uh, that'll get that's the same one on Insta. You can find us at Queer Horror Cult on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah let us know ones. what you thought. Yeah. So although this topic is planned way in advance and we're actually recording it later than we normally would, funnily enough, uh, we're here recording today's episode on Trans Day of Remembrance. Mm-hmm. That is November 20th? 20th? November 20th, Trans Day of Remembrance. It's depressingly an important holiday to have mm-hmm. out there. Like, holiday is not even the right word. It shouldn't Day of Commemoration, yes. I think. Um, yeah. And I saw a really great post on Instagram from, I don't remember if it was a transgender person or just like an ally, but I was talking about not only is this a day to commemorate and remember the people who have died, but also fight like hell for those who are still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially in this time of increased backlash and repealing of any, you know, these small gains that this community has managed to make legally and socially. It's only been the last several years. It's only been going since about 2012-ish. I was going to say it was Um, early 2010s. Yeah, like I know transgender rights have been existing for a lot longer than that, as have trans people. For sure. Contrary to what a lot of people in the media (laughs) might say. Yeah. But it hasn't been... It's very recent that this is being talked about and rights are being fought for in a larger public way. Exactly. Like I I was going to say, I think... uh, Like I remember being like in the 2000s, like, gay rights and marriage equality, that entered the popular discourse and got more popular support way sooner than anything involving transgender rights did, Mm -hmm. or visibility, or just the, like, ability to, like, fucking exist without being ridiculed and just, just more awareness, I guess, even, and acceptance. Yeah. So, um... If you hadn't figured it out, our topic is dealing with trans issues. We decided that so far it feels like, other than the first episode, our queer analysis has been sort of a hanger on towards the end. But for a podcast called Queer Horror Cult, we needed to dive into one of our topics, one of the many topics we have cooked up, that is just in-your-face queer. First and foremost, too. Yeah. So this is going to be sort of an applied reading mm-hmm. of a certain thing I've been noticing in these films that we've been watching. We've noticed them. So if you're wondering, like, wow, you're really reading into it, yes, we are. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> we're not trying to assert any sort of, like, authorial intent or that, yeah, we're, we're not speculating on intentions. We're just saying, hey, this can be read this way in a really interesting way, and here's how we can maybe apply it to stuff well, that's going on today. Even if no one else thinks so, we read it this way. So yeah. it's definitely there in some regard. Yeah, and even if it's not... The stuff that's there isn't, like, you know, trans-specific. I think there's still a lot of underlying anxieties about the body, about all sorts of different things that overlap with both, for sure. sure. So, you had seen The Fly Mm -hmm. already. We rewatched it in anticipation of this. Classic movie, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we all all gotta love that movie. Even my mom's seen it, and she, if you've listened to the first episode, know that she's not a big horror person. Yeah. But I remember... Recently, my sisters and I were talking about the beautiful phenomenon that is Jeffrey Goldblum <laughs> as a style icon and everybody's collective daddy. <laughs> and 
<laughs> my mom goes, oh yeah, he's, he's in the fly. That's so good, right? Yeah, I bet you weren't expecting that. I wasn't, so much. no. Uh, no, classic horror. Classic horror remake of a classic horror. This is one yes. of those ones you can always point to when people start saying, oh, I hate remakes and all that. It's like, <laughs> calm down. The original still exists. Yeah. You can still enjoy the original, but they're not always bad. Mm -hmm. And this is also really important, not just in horror, but in body horror specifically. Oh, yeah, you got the master of body horror, David Cronenberg. Yep. This one won the effects guy, I believe Chris Wallace is the effects guy on this one, won the Academy Award for the makeup effects. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those movies that I just absolutely love. It's especially for the uh, practical effects. Absolutely. They are my bread and butter. Yeah, they are incredible. Yeah. The award is very well deserved. So we have this movie with uh, our cat is trying to stick her paw in the Betamax. I'm not sure. Sappho, what, what are you doing? what are you doing? So there is a lot of anxiety of the body going mm -hmm. on in this. And so for this TED Talk, I will argue that in this <laughs> movie and some of the other ones we're discussing, that these films can be seen in terms of how the media and heteronormativity and normalcy uh, views the trans body, mm -hmm. but specifically in terms of trans panic. Yeah, and the trans body is a site on which we project all of our anxieties about about the body and what that's supposed to constitute exactly and different processes of the body, as well as the really instability of these sort of like truths about gender that we hold, a lot of us hold right. as like absolute truth, like men are men and women are women. Yeah. And these people and their bodies really... They strike fear into they, that concept. They really do because if, you know, if this thing that I've always, this truth that I've always known is shown to not be stable and universal, then what else about my life and the way I organize it and the world that I know is also unstable? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are specifically talking about fears and casting trans bodies in transition as monstrous. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to preface that this discussion is about those ideas of the horror coding of those... Uh, ideas uh we're not trying to say that transitioning is monstrous or These is movies, the equivalent of a body horror yeah or... no this movie is very much showing the body horror and the monstrous and the abject in terms of the sort of uh normative cisgender the heteronormalcy anxiety over trans people exactly and it's arguing that the body and for us specifically the, the transgender gender non-conforming body is the site at which these anxieties are projected and enacted and put into motion. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Jeff Goldblum, Seth Brundle. He's the brilliant mm -hmm. scientist who is creating an invention that's going to change the course of history as we know it. And he's not lying about that. He's not. all the other scientists in the room. So he manages to get Gina Davis to go back with him to his lab to show her this telepod he's working on. And... As we know, this is the setup, the premise that kicks off this horror when something goes awry with the experiment. I find it interesting that the horror right on the outset comes out of science gone too far or science gone awry. Because mm -hmm. we get this idea all the time with the way that um, the medical science aspect behind transition 
it, there's all these people that that think of it as uh, it's often cast as not only immoral but science run amok. Yeah, almost. and I think it's and honestly anything in science that has to do with that sort of like challenging these assumed truths that we have about life because you know like um in vitro fertilization when that was introduced mm -hmm. test tube babies there was a huge controversy over that because you're this idea of playing god really mm -hmm. and whether it's creating new life or altering the body that you were born in to better represent that which you identify with and feel right and this yeah i know this whole idea of like playing god and science gone too far mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how far is too far when you start playing god yeah exactly yeah and uh, that's something that uh, Brendel is doing in this movie, is he seems to, even though his outset is to further humanity, mm -hmm. and it's... Uh, With transportation, really. Yeah, it's one he of those... He mentions that he feels carsick, he doesn't like driving, he doesn't like flying, so this would so actually... it's a very humanistic Yeah, endeavor. he's like, this would logically benefit me greatly, not only would it cut down on, like, transportation times, but also on, like, transportation altogether. So, yeah, yeah realistically, it's not about, you know, self-improvement so much as just, like, greater efficiency and something that would, like you said, benefit humanity. Yeah. And then, as he's uh, showing this project off, he and Gina Davis uh, hook up and fall in love, mm -hmm. and uh, in whatever order. <laughs> and that foregrounds this heterosexual relationship between two presumably normative bodies. We've got a man and a woman in a sexual and romantic relationship. And that sort of is where what the horror affects in this movie. It really mm -hmm. destroys this relationship and this paradigm by way of the changes that occur yep um but the big change is he goes through the machine with a fly not realizing not course. realizing <laughs> and the machine the medical fuck up the scientific uh disaster uh combines his dna with it and changes his body into something no longer human mm -hmm. sound familiar <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, thoughts on the way that the uh, horror of the changing body kind of affects the relationship? Yeah, um, one thing I want to mention is also, like, the re before he goes through the telepod, he he knows that it if you put in something that's alive, like the monkey or whatever, mm -hmm. that it completely, like, fucks it up, comes out the other end, like, inside out. And through his interactions in this, in this relationship where they talk about the... Like, the, the flesh yes. itself. It drives the flesh crazy. The dri yeah, the driving the, the, the flesh, driving you mad, driving the, old ladies, driving the old ladies who want to squeeze baby's cheeks mad, and this idea that the machine, being a machine and not being human, is only giving its interpretation of life, as opposed to okay. having the in-depth knowledge of the flesh. And, yeah, so because the idea of, like, simulations and this uh, inauthentic... <sighs> Yeah. Body coming through. See, that one was even lost on me. That one is, uh, that's... Yeah, there's so smart. much wrapped yeah. up in there that when you actually unpack it, it's like, ah, oh, there's there's a lot being that could be being said here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For did, sure. So what did the cat knock over? Uh, no, she dived into a box with an exit sign and a bunch of uh, <laughs> other miscellaneous set dressings. Prop stuff, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, a corner of that room, and by corner I mean most of that room, <laughs> uh, taken over by boxes of props and makeup supplies from... Uh, our filming endeavors. Mm -hmm. So apologies about the clunking that might not get edited out <laughs> over the words that are being said. That is our yeah. cat having the time of her life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's this also idea of this, um, especially when it comes to you know what what makes a woman or a man. You see all of these really vitriolic anti-transgender 
activists, whatever you want to call them, describing transgender women specifically, you know, it's always the misogyny, right? As inauthentic or fake women. And mm-hmm. like they're trying to... They're imitating. They're Im- exactly. This idea of imitation, of inauthenticity. It's like when he sets the steak through and then uh, Gina Davis takes a bite and she's just like, it's all wrong She's somehow. like, it's like synthetic. There's it's almost like, something that can't be put on it. Yeah, th- th- there's just some aspect of it that cannot be captured by science and yeah. our greatest, you know, the, despite the our greatest effort. natural godliness well, of yeah, the uh, exactly. human form exactly. is just can't be replicated. Yeah, no, the machines are trying to play God, but yeah. God cannot be fully blah, blah, blah. We're making it sound like for the few people who had listened to a podcast before that somehow haven't seen The Fly, we're making it sound like there's a big religious bent to the movie. There really is. Whereas <laughs> that's not... This one, if anyone is familiar with uh, David Cronenberg's yeah. work, he's very much in the scientific realm with Absolutely, it. Yeah. I think si- science in terms of like God and how we're talking it is... There's a great contrast that wor- mm-hmm. at work in these kind of like science-based horror movies. But yeah, yeah no, this isn't a preacher... Yeah, no, I, I don't think corner. he's trying to make any points about, like, playing God or whatever, but you can't, given I, how prevalent that is. I think we're is, both like, using playing God more as, like, a turn of phrase yeah. than, like, a literal, yeah. this defies the Bible, although that talking point is often thrown at trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's more the idea of what's natural in the natural world versus exactly. what's manufactured. Which even then can be engaged by like you know not secular scientific people they can still make that sort of like natural fallacy of like well if it's natural it must be good if it's unnatural it must right. be bad even though you're not um calling on god or religion there there's still that like underlying um like continuity between the two arguments absolutely so we have jeff goldblum goes through the machine we got brundle through the machine and his body starts getting all these changes to it and what I think really sets this up in terms of uh, mirroring horror at the trans body changing is an idea that exists as uh, this being a welcome change by trans people. Mm-hmm. You know, because like Seth, as he starts turning into the horrific and the monstrous and it's tearing his relationship apart, he welcomes these changes. Yeah, he's pretty stoked. Yeah. He, and even before the monstrous stuff happens and it's just the improvement where this like endless energy and the like... That strength and yeah, all Yeah, this vitality. He's like this... He's like, it, it's like the machine perfected me. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome and you should do it too. And what do we often hear from trans people that transition and like make the choice to and are able to that it's fucking awesome yeah and then they finally feel like themselves yeah. and i think he even says that at some point where he fe- he feels like he's been um like he finally feels like he is himself like he's always been chasing after something but never realizing it it's funny that you bring that up because another movie we'll be talking about more later uh Stuart gordon's from beyond mm-hmm. uh there is a line in that that i made note of where um Jeffrey Combs asks, Edward, my God, what have you become? Myself. Yeah. And uh, the Edward, what have you become has this revulsion to it at the sight of his inhuman form. Like he's done these, I'll get into that more when we get to From Beyond. But But the same, yeah, that, that continuity of this idea of like, I'm, I'm finally becoming myself and who, I have always thought I was meant to be, but that mm. I couldn't be. Yeah, because the line in this one is... Uh, saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it 
But now the dream is over. And the insect is awake. Yeah, that was because I'm thinking in when he's pouring all that sugar into his coffee, he initially gives that like, I think that's when he talks about how um, he feels great. Yeah, and just like he feels like he's finally become himself. But then that I forgot about that line. Yeah, that's towards the end. That's when he realizes his mistakes before he's too far gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there is a while there when his body starts falling apart. Yeah, that he's like, oh no, I've destroyed myself and all that. And that's a perfect echoing of the notion that trans regret is a thing yeah and this, this notion of this wish to detransition yeah and i've i one that i grew, heard a lot growing up was those who who choose or who are able to opt for surgery are um what what was the word that they use they are mutilating their bodies oh goodness yeah that's that doesn't get tired <laughs> yeah no no doubt um yeah so the idea that those regrets are there because there's all these people that that is it. Everyone's like, you will regret it if you do this. And they cite one study, I believe out of Sweden, that they're not even citing correctly for mm-hmm. starters because they are misreading the study. The people that did the study have come out and said that they've misread the study. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they're cherry picking it. Um, they're cherry picking the data without the context. That's what, that's what I remember you Well, you me. share the, okay. the context. Yeah. Well, yeah, if it's the same one that you told me, then anybody in it who did regret transitioning, it was not because of the transitioning itself, but because of the lack of social support systems mm-hmm. and family. So like basically the lack of essential emotional and interpersonal support that they had after transitioning. But this is of course due to the rejection of family and from family and friends, not, not a inherent byproduct itself of transitioning. Mm-hmm. So with the regret, there's this uh, lack of agency on Seth Brundle's part, mm-hmm. which you, another talking point that you hear sometimes from people that are uh, rabidly anti-trans is that it's like a forced, like, you know, the trans agenda is yeah, this right. forced, coercive... Forcefully converting children or some bullshit. Yeah, like, but yeah, those are his last guess of humanity before he becomes more monster than man. More Brundle fly uh, than Brundle. <laughs> yeah, when the Brundle fly takes over. Yeah, like, um, and then at the end when he becomes, you know, this full-on Brundle fly monster, essentially. Um, it's interesting because, on the one hand, it's obviously portrayed as body horror. It's pretty scary and horrific what's going on. But on the other, leading up to this transformation when he still had more Brundle in him and he could still communicate and everything he was reflecting on it as like this incredible discovery. Like this is, this is the first organism of its kind. It's, it's still in his mind, this like positive, if not innovative thing in the field within, within the context of science. Mm -hmm. And then one other site of horror in the fly is, um, I can't remember the character's name, but Gina Davis's own body when she finds out she's pregnant because she doesn't know if, conception occurred before or after he seth went through the, the telepod right so there's this idea of this potential monstrous thing in her womb right that is growing you know is this is this you know brundle fly the offspring yeah and she can't bear with the idea of continuing the pregnancy just because of the possibility that she wouldn't be you know she doesn't think she'd be able to test do any tests to find out about any genetic abnormalities with it or anything she's just like i i can't do this because mm-hmm. I can't give birth to a monster. And um, 
this might be a little bit of a stretch, I don't know, but... This whole episode's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, there's a lot of anxieties around um, transgender people parenting. Yeah, and that I'll, could definitely be extended to same-sex parents, too. Totally, yeah. totally, and this idea that, you know, are they fit parents? There's a lot, and I know in a lot of places, like, and this might just happen by virtue of getting, having bottom surgery, but I know in some places legally... I think Sweden is one of them. Transgender people have to be sterilized. We could be wrong on that. It yeah. could have changed, but uh, I feel like I remember at, seeing at a someone talking about it was. Recently, yeah. Who is, oh, recently. Who is okay. Yeah. And she mentioned that. Because I know um, it was. Whether mm-hmm. it still is, I'm not 100 yeah. percent on that. So yeah, this idea that again with this whole like trans, this transness, the trans agenda. I'm using big scare quotes. Mm-hmm. Spreading, be it through yeah. social ideology or through literally reproduction, this as this site of horror and like we can't you know what happens if this is spread yeah what will that mean for humanity all these existential questions that are being projected onto trans people and their bodies instead of discussed like you know normal rational human beings apparently not but and then it's very interesting that the person who tries to save Gina Davis at the end is her ex-lover. Mm-hmm. Mm. Staff is born. Like, well, I don't even know why I remember his name of <laughs> all of them. He's I, I always seem to remember either actor or character name. It's seldom that I remember both. Right. Um, you just remember Seth because he's so special. And he's a brundle fly. And also daddy. And also daddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, her ex-lover comes to save him and save her and the brundle fly destroys his body kind of thing it's like Mm -hmm. that sort of body horror spreading outward in that horrific scene when uh he's throwing up on his body dissolving yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's true he kind of on the one hand recuperates her back into that heteronormacy yeah but on the other he gets disfigured in the process yeah Whereas with Brundle, he becomes part of the machine, and we see... Yeah, the very last... Uh, we see him in the telepod with, like, chunks of the telepod, literally yeah, part of his body. the ultimate monstrous, like, man and machine yeah, fused together. the science is now part science of the body. Science has gone so far, it is now implicated directly in the body, and and he needs to be put out of his misery, is basically yeah. how... He even knows, as a monster, he guides the gun to his own head. Yeah. Being like, this is monstrous, even... What a heartbreaking I know, it's so sad. Like, I that that one, even though I knew it was coming, this this Mm -hmm. rewatch, it was still like, wow, this... Yeah. Fuck, man, like, you really went there, didn't you, Mr. Cronenberg? Yeah. It's a great movie. Mm -hmm. Watch it. It's a brilliant movie. It's a classic. It's so important. It's... And it's fantastic. Yeah. It's not classic in that way, in that way that some of the like film studies things are like, well, this sucks ass and I hated watching it, but I can appreciate it's it. It's classic. It's actually a really fucking good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Especially during the horror boom, you cannot go wrong with David Cronenberg. Exactly. And I'm making that distinction more because I haven't seen much of his most recent work. The yeah. last thing I saw was Eastern Promises. So that's where that distinction comes from. His new work might be just as brilliant. I just haven't seen it. So I can't um, say one way or the other, can either confirm nor yeah. deny. But I know growing up, he was uh, cited as my favorite director, probably until I started getting into Italian horror, but you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, his movies still... Start with that CanCon. top, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so The Fly, classic, classic horror movie, but another movie that had come to mind... Well, I guess maybe let's go into From Beyond, because... Sure. Uh, 
We already brought it up. From Beyond, Stuart Gordon doing an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story. Because uh, Stuart Gordon is the, That's what he the does. king shit of those, yep. you know. Between, um, I, I want to say he did Castle Freak, which has elements of that. But uh, from Beyond, Reanimator, Masters of Horror episode, Dreams in the Witch House. You get him, he goes Dagon. Does he Dagon? <laughs> yeah, he just... Yeah. He's in He's it. He's done it all. It. <laughs> yeah. And I think also, like, this is kind of a logical um, segue into this movie because it, again, has that idea of, you know, the sci- science gone too far. Science gone too far. Yeah. Which is... So, like we said, oh, we already yeah. talked about why that's super relevant and super icky in the way that it's mobilized. Yeah. So, so we watched it. And like I had mentioned before, that line I wrote down, mm-hmm. Edward, what have you become? And he replies with myself. And he says big hulking monster. Oh, he looks like something out of society. Like, yeah, he's oh. nasty. Well, he looks like something out of society. That's probably the Brian Yesner connection producer right. of this. Right, of course. That. But, yes. Yeah, if you've seen Society but haven't seen From Beyond, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. Or if you've seen From Beyond but haven't seen Society, go watch Society because you are in for a treat. Yes, I will say nothing else about society because the less you know, the better. Yeah. I have already accidentally spoiled this for one friend and I feel dearly harrowed. You'll spend the rest of your so. life making amends for this. Yes. Yeah. I, I um, <laughs> go into my room and whip myself yeah. with one of those cat and nine tails afterwards. Yeah. No king shaming, but speaking of king shaming, this movie, the uh, the doctor whose body is the site of transformation mm-hmm. to the horror of everyone else is seen, he's very much uh, broadcast as this sexual deviant. Yeah. Kind of. His room is Right out in the open, it's a sex dungeon. Yeah. Like, yep, the room he's in, there's just art on the walls of uh, sexually provocative women, women bound women, yeah. and he has, like, handcuffs hanging from the ceilings. He has uh, a wardrobe full of gimp suits. Yeah. And, and he, implements. And he yeah. films himself having deviant sex, as it would be, quote-unquote. Yes. Um, although I will say there is something very unsettling about it, because yeah. th- that line between... Uh, pain is pleasure and just like abuse. Yeah, like is and very like consensual element of it is it's blurred absolutely. Because they mention how they always hear screams in the room and there's never a notion that the women are actually enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So it's a really he is cast as this predatory. Yeah, sexual it's ambiguous beast. at best, and but it definitely casts him in that sort of predatory light. And that is another big transphobic fear over trans people is that they're all sexual deviants. And uh, that is part of why they transition both physically to change their bodies, but also socially to access targets. Sexual, yeah, sexual targets. Yeah. And uh, it's a whole bunch of like bullshit, (laughs) clearly, but we're talking about this horror that Mm -hmm. uh, is broadcast. And when, um, Dr. Pretorius, that's it. Right. When he goes through, or they open the gateway to beyond. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of a rundown if you if you haven't seen it, or you're not familiar with the story. Or if you're in, kind of rusty, haven't yeah. seen it in a while. They build this machine, it's a resonator, where it sends out this frequency that uh, that stimulates the pineal gland in humans, so yes. it is specifically stimulating a part of the human body. That is specifically implicated it. in hormone production. Oh, yes, yes, it is. Yes. Um... Two, you can see the next dimension when the resonator is going, and there's all these kinds of monsters that exist there, and when the resonator's on, they can see us. There's all these little monstrous sperm cells literally swimming through the air. Well, I thought they looked like eels, but yeah. (laughs) If you want to call them sperms, that's... that's, 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 Spermy eels. (laughs) Six of one, half dozen of the other. (laughs) Um, 
But they so they go. Through, uh, Dr. Pretorius crosses over into the beyond. Yes. This monster comes from beyond, brings him there, and it kills his human form. Like, he is dead in the real world. They talk about how they see him die with his head being twisted And isn't off. the other guy implicated for his murder? Yeah, the other guy yeah. is implicated for his murder. Uh, I can't remember his name. Jeffrey Combs' character. Yeah. The classic, classic. Yeah. our guy. Um, the one. But yeah, so when he comes back from beyond, his body, he shows up naked. All yep. shiny and oily, yep. but his body is malleable, and he grows appendages, and he is very much sexually predatory. Yeah, in how it has he that sort behaves. of, like, and it has that like. And he's an equal opportunity offender. He yes. wants to yep. to get down with Barbara Crampton as much as Jeffrey Holmes. He's just true? gross all yep. the way across the That's board. That's true. Yeah, um, but also, yeah, when you have the pineal gland emerge, you almost if you want to read it, very phallic. Like phallic. Yeah, exactly. That phallic yeah. protrusion. That's that's threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the people that uh, that that happens to, they look almost alien, like all their hair is dissolved off and they have this weird phallus grown out of their forehead. (laughs) And it's just, it's... And they're the, down to fuck. That's one thing we should mention. They is, are very down to yeah, fuck. Yeah, is, is having the pineal gland stimulated. What What is the the, the one, the helper oh, guys? Oh, Ken Foray from Dawn of the Dead's classic Ken Foray. Um, we'll just play the line. Yeah. The pineal gland was stimulated. Oh, it gave me one hell of a headache. Expansion of the pineal. <gasps> I'll have to do a study of the CAT scans of schizophrenics. If there's a statistical correlation between schizophrenia and an enlarged pineal, why... They may be seeing or feeling what we saw. Their minds may be influenced by those creatures. Well, how about the hard-on I got? Is there a statistical correlation for that, too? Well, um, we know that uh, the pineal gland helps to regulate the sex drive. Perhaps pineal stimulation causes an accompanying sexual stimulation. There's so much to learn. Anyway, so... So, yeah, it, it's, it stimulates not only the mind, if you want to do that whole mind-body separation, but also... The body. The body, and, like, the bodiest parts of the, the body. The bodiest that body that the ever bodiest bodied. The body parts that ever bodied. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so he comes through as this weird sex blob. Yeah. And the resonator, the machine that turned him this way and got him to cross over, to transition, if you will, it's having an effect on all the normal people in the uh, in the building. Like, Barbara Crampton starts becoming, like, a sex-submissive, but also a dom. She's a, she's she's a, a switch. switch. Yeah, yeah, she's a switch. Um, but she dresses switch. up in the leather, and uh, she's obsessed with this machine because of all the taboo sexuality it bestows. Mm-hmm. And... It really take it, it it the bravado of it all. It really takes over her mind, and in, in spite of her be- better judgment, mm-hmm. and yeah, you, you get that sense that her agency is removed as well, and she's almost being like her, her mind is being controlled by yeah. this need need for more. Yeah. Well, I think it, like with the fly, there's that interesting um, contrast between those who are either gone beyond or further gone than the main guy see yes. it as something good and desirable. Right. And this is a change that, like, yeah, this is this is awesome. This is what I want. Yeah. And whereas the the good guys in the movie are the ones who have to try and stop it from happening. Right. Because it's 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 just bad. Yeah. But this one, you get a sense that there is, like, that the people who are there's there's a much more coercive element into it. Mm-hmm. As far as because I mean not not that um, Seth Brundle 
consents or intentionally goes in to become Brundlefly. Right. But he, he's he's like, well, I've done this. It's oh, Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, because going off the consent angle, yeah. he is obsessed with trying to get Gina Davis to go through. But then yeah, he also, there's pushy. that part where he brings the woman back after mm-hmm. after that very masculine uh, display of bravado and breaking yes. the dude's arm during Which the arm normal. wrestle. Yeah. Um, he, he brings her back and tries to force her into the machine yeah. as well. And when she even yells, I'm afraid, he says, don't be afraid and all that. Be afraid of. And we get that classic line. Mm-hmm. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. But yeah, in, the, in both there's that idea of the transformation almost removes their agency to an extent insofar as you get, or at least from our perspective, watching the protagonist, from the protagonist's view of the story, is almost like brainwashing them. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, it is. You know, in spite of their better judgment, is convincing them that trans agenda. Exactly. Apparently, exactly. It's yeah, hard. So, it's hard to talk about this stuff without like the bile rising up in the back yeah, of my and throat. Yeah, it's just being so flippant because about it. it's just so outrageous. Yeah, it's it's the claims that like I I think that these horror movies are definitely made for that crowd. Like they're not actually made for that <laughs> yeah. crowd. Of course, I love these movies. You love these movies. Absolutely. But like these fears read in this way, they're very normative fears. They are. And that's why I think it like body horror resonates with so many people is because yeah, at the end of the day, it's these broader anxieties and fears and things, but they're being projected onto very specific sites yep. where they're enacted and they're mobilized and they're mm-hmm. just, um, yeah, examined, I guess mm-hmm. without having to deal with fear of, of looking inwards and how does this apply to us? Yeah, necessarily. for sure. For our third movie, we watched another Stuart Gordon. We watched Dagon. Mm-hmm. which uh, this was actually the first of the three we watched in preparation for this. But this is one of those movies that we're going to step away from the science side of things and just get really into the morphology of the body <laughs> and the way it changes. The physical, and psychological. The cult of trans, almost, as they would call it. Right, um, yes. The agenda has a cult behind it. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, so with Dagon, right from the start... I could just sort of see the imagery coming up because uh, it opens with the uh, main character. What's what's his name? Paul. Generic white guy. Paul. Generic white guy. Paul. Oh, except he's a great generic white guy. That's true. Movie. He's, yeah, he's sort. Of, he has a very like Ash from Evil Dead Two. Yeah, he's kinda. like a very sad sack version who eventually, yeah. like you know, turns around and starts like <laughs> yeah, stabbing he, dudes. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's 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 so like inept. It's I love almost, it. In oh, sorry, for, um, endearing. Yes, it's almost endearing. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> that happened a lot. Where I just lose a word. Anyway, so anyway. Paul is having this dream where he's swimming under the ocean, and this beautiful woman appears before him, and she's even got like the mermaid tail. After all, we realize that and her titties are her out, face. right? Yeah, yeah. She's he got her titties out. out. She titties yeah. out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Mm. but yeah, so he sees this, and. She, like, lures him in and all that, uh, like, in this very sensual way. And then all of a sudden it's revealed she's got these huge monstrous choppers in her face. She's got the big old teeth. Big old teeth. Big old like pointy teeth. Um, and the uh, sensuality immediately flips to terror and yeah. horror 
And it's and getting devoured. This is like a thousand percent the idea of the siren trickster. It's literally a yes. mermaid yeah. who pulled the trick because she's actually or a monster. The poor helpless guy and who didn't know any better. And like this is seems to me like the one hundred percent very unrealistic and unrealized, but it's a hundred percent that main fear you hear surrounding trans panic. Yep. Um, is the idea that, oh, trans women, and, you know, sarcasm and scare quotes around this whole thing, but trans women just want to, like, lure men in for sex and they trick, trick them. trick them, yeah. And it's, like, this really gross notion, but here it is in horror movie form. Again, I should say, just for the defense of the directors of these, we're not trying to say that the directors are making a transphobic no, no, no. approach. Like, I think that is just reaching even beyond how yeah. much we're already no, reaching. No, it's just they're, they're relying on old... And I was going to say, like, all of this, even later on in the movie when he meets this woman. Yeah. And you have that sort of, like, sensuality again until it's revealed that she has, like, tentacle legs. I love that. Like, she's in the bed, the sensuality, and then she reveals it, and literally her downstairs is malformed in this yes. really weird way. Yeah. Is, quote-unquote, you know, uh, mutilated or whatever you want, compared to the expectation. Yes. Yes. Anyway, but, that yeah, I was going to say, this whole now. thing, it... That and the trans panic, it all relies on these old, like, misogynistic tropes, and that's just it. Trans misogyny is misogyny. Yeah. Full stop. I, I, I look at this as, like, this is using these movies to comment on that panic, not these yeah. panic to but comment it, it on these movies. it goes back to film noir with the Cherchez la Femme, where mm -hmm. this idea that this, this you know, this woman, you have to, you have to search her because she represents this, this castration anxiety, this fear that she will... She, some, you know, that she's dangerous, and you're attracted to her, but she's dangerous, and we need to, we need to discover mm -hmm. how to, you know, cope with this, basically. But and it also goes back to if you think of like, vagina dentata, and this idea sure. again that the predatory woman who she lures, oh, she lures the man. We need in. to do an episode about vagina dentata, totally. don't we? But yeah, this idea that like you're this castration anxiety and it's not just about literally like losing the fear of like losing your penis but of the phallus this idea of power of masculinity it's we're gonna get in in with it we are unfortunately <laughs> but yeah this idea that what she represents is not literally just a physical threat but also a threat to everything that it means to be traditional femininity and beauty and sexuality no, I it's a threat to what it's traditional masculinity and oh for the power the, yeah and the dynamic and men be yeah the dynamic the present the the the, the men are men she threatens mm -hmm. that whether it is the the siren the this technical lady in this one or today the the transgender woman because if this this idea that if i am attracted to her that then that has implications i must be gay i must be this i must be that and in order to reassert my conventional hetero cis masculinity i have to lash out against her and mm -hmm. annihilate her and that's what you see with these abhorrently high murder rates of mm -hmm. transgender women especially transgender women of color from lower socioeconomic areas those that have to rely on sex work for survival that's where you see a lot of this violence concentrated. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it, yeah, it all roots back to this, this idea of this misogyny and this need to reinforce and continue maintaining these like he hegemonic systems of power of unequal gendered power mm -hmm. and masculinity specifically. Got real, real with it. Yep. 
kind of hard not to. That's um, yeah. That is the extension of how transplanting exists in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know where to go. Transformations. <laughs> anyway, back to the intro of the movie, I guess. Sure. Um, it does sort of set things up in terms of that dichotomy in that we see these two couples on right. the uh, the boat, and it's very heteronormative in how it's coded. I mean, the main character, Paul, he, he keeps um, using a binary system for how he looks at things. He's, he keeps using the phrase, there are two possibilities. And doesn't he even say, like, life is a series of... I thought we wrote of that. Of binary systems, yeah. Yeah. You can't program life. Why not? It's a binary system. Oh. Come on, no, man, woman, rich, poor, life... Yeah. Paul? I like that. Grow up, okay? And this, like, goes back to um, Descartes and the Cartesian dualisms where there's, you know, there's, yeah, there's, you have the thing and it's equal opposite thing and there's no room for nuance, there's no, there's no, it's yeah. black and white, there's no gray area. It's two things that complement. Yeah. That's and it. That's <laughs> it. That's all. There is no space for... It's very, very simplistic. So I'm you, probably gonna piss people off by saying that, but it is incredibly simplistic. It does well, not. Well, like count. you said, there's no nuance. There's no into nuance it. whatsoever. There's no element of real life. But it's one of those things that there's zero nuance to just saying that's where things end. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. Opposites. Full stop. It's like nope. That's not how it works. <laughs> that is not how life works. But either way, at the beginning we have. Uh, Paul sort of set up as this character who exists in this world of binaries, and a lot of the horror comes about when that is disrupted. Yeah. And so much of those early scenes of him going around town, it's just, oh, I don't know, I just kept getting these flashes of, like, uh, trans issues, I guess, and, like, things that, uh, where uh, cisgender normativity, like, enforced normativity here, and transgender uh, identity kind of butt heads. <laughs> there's this one point when he's in the hotel where there's the desk clerk there who's just acting very oddly. It's this great moment where he's, what does he say? He's like, I need a key for the roomo because that's his version of Oh, because he's trying to speak Spanish. Yeah, his Spanish is just add O to the ends of things because he's very white bread. Yeah. Um, but he's doing this and he keeps noticing these weird mannerisms and ticks about uh, the desk clerk and eventually when the clerk turns around to grab the key he notices the gills on his neck he notices mm-hmm. the gills which marks him as this weird this other this fish man other yeah um that's just clocking that's a scene of like it just reminds me of someone being clocked and for those that don't know and it's a, a bummer of a phrase mm-hmm. uh it's the idea that when a trans person is seen is actually being trans and it's not visibly trans. quote unquote authentic. Yeah, yeah. visibly or audibly or, or whatever right. way. Um, These kind of, kind of like kind of like gaydar where you can spot someone and be like, oh, I know, like they're gay. Except I feel like this but... is insidious and this really gross. Or, yes. Because yeah. I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's the reclamation of gaydar that I think is Fair enough, fun. yeah. But it, it's this idea there that, isn't really that, you, a reclamation that there of is a certain way to be gay or trans or cis or whatever and that this will be blatantly apparent just by looking at somebody or or hearing somebody talk or right and yeah just it really both in in, implied in both of these is this idea of these like essential characteristics of 
certain identi- identities and ways of being that are they're solid, they're there, and they're they you can't do anything about it. So as the movie goes, uh, Paul realizes that there's this whole community that he's thrust into that there are these human beings that are transforming into these fish-like monsters and that's where a lot of the horror comes from because he fears that this cult of fish people are going to make him like them and that very much is the plan going forward uh he is at fear of becoming uh absorbed into the occult and turning into a fish mutant boy and Losing his humanity. Uh, Losing his humanity, for sure. His manhood. And so much of his revulsion comes at the way those changes are happening. So you get like a twofold effect of the idea that the cult is oppressive in that you must join us and we're going to try and enforce this new vision on you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he says, you know, the binary system, man and woman, but then there's a third option here of fish people. Yeah. And this disrupts that and it's being forced on him. Mm -hmm. And And it's also, um, if you want to get back to the binaries, like if you have this idea of like man or civilization in nature, this is the collapse Yes. To our man and animal, human and animal, whatever. Yeah. It's collapsing that boundary and fusing the two together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But so we get these scenes where he's equal parts revulsed and terrified of these mutations of the flesh as these people are hunting him down, trying to capture him or kill him. You know, his, his human man form has to be destroyed either way. Mm. There's a flashback sequence where we see the root of where these mutations started from, and it literally is that the town, once Catholic, extremely Catholic, move over to this other religion, the, the Church of Dagon, like, you know, yeah. very, very very Cthulhu mythos kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this uh, flip that happens, so everything they're doing is literally an affront to God, bringing yeah. the God thing back yeah. to it. And that's... Uh, to God into the sense of order and civilization and all of these things that we associate with, like, higher intellect actually, and humanity. And that, that's funny, because there's the scene where himself and the last human in Mboka right. are tied up, and they're going to get killed by the butcher, cult. preacher, <laughs> oh, cult Oh, yeah, dude. yeah, that guy. And they start singing this biblical song right. kind of thing. Like, that's their, they're stealing themselves or their fate, but they're showing we are not wavering in our beliefs and you cannot yeah. change us. Even on our deathbeds. It's right about the Lord being my shepherd or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's instilling it's, it's that, even though he's a man of science, it's still that, like, that faith that is seen more, is, is more human than this one that these, the people of Mboka are worshipping. Yeah. But their rituals and customs that come out of this cult of theirs are just seen as so bizarre and creepy in a lot of ways. It's seen as this other. And what it does for them, the the cult people, is it's transformative in that it's part of how they move on to the new version of themselves, their new life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's sort of going off the heteronormalcy thing of, like, trans is weird and other, we're not used to it. And therefore, it seems horrifying and strange to us but these are the customs and yeah. rituals and things that they have to do you know again scare quotes around every time <laughs> i say they here um to move on into their new lives yeah and and in Dag- dagon specifically it's seen as it's like this religious rite of passage it's almost like comparable to in christianity having this idea of like the afterlife and stuff yeah. and moving to the kingdom of heaven but that's going back to the idea that it's an improvement because yes, in the other exactly. two movies it's uh you know, this new life is a wonderful thing. 
there's the beautiful beyond that they want to bring Paul into. And they're talking about how it's such a welcome change because life is so much better when you move beyond. And perhaps, this is going to be a big spoiler for Dagon, but perhaps the this is a great example of where I think this movie kind of subverts the, mm. the, the heteronormative horror in that Paul does get pulled into the cult. Yeah. He grows the gills and he moves into beyond and there's this big awe-inspiring music as even though he burned his body, like he literally burned his body because he'd rather destroy it than allow these changes to take place. Like he'd destroy it and remain intact. Yeah. He gets sucked down into the water and he will live forever under the ocean in this new life. And it's like, yeah, you destroyed your your previous world. You were a mess there because you're all scarred and... uh, you're dying, basically. Mm, but there's still some And redemption. they're moving him into this new life instead, and he grows the gills, and he perks up, and he starts swimming, and it's the idea that it's like, hey, we pulled you in, and isn't it great? And it's like, shit, it shit, is yeah, kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of funny in a in an interesting way. Yeah, like, it's, it's an interesting sort of uh, very kind subversion of there. Very kind of tongue-in-cheek. Expectations, at the very least. Yeah. But there were a couple other fears in this that I wanted to um, bring up. Mm-hmm. And one is that there's this really gross rape element to this movie. In that the Dagon monster is looking for fertile women to yep. impregnate. Right. And all that. And that really kind of, again, harkens back to the, the sexual deviancy of the monstrous other. Mm-hmm. And so I just felt that that was interesting, that that's kind of an undercurrent, that it's almost unspoken because they don't want to, like, thankfully this movie doesn't generally glorify it or yeah. go too they far to exploit it. Really? Yeah. It's sort of in the background as part of the horror. It's mentioned, yeah. But it's one of those things that there is a sort of danger, a sexual danger mm-hmm. going on in the background of this movie. Yeah. And if you want to, because yeah, that, that brings specifically also like the sexual danger to women, not just to men, and that castration anxiety. And again, if you want to extrapolate it to real life stuff, you have trans women being simultaneously painted as sexual predators to unwitting straight men, but also to women and children because they have the audacity to want to be able to pee in public washrooms. Mm-hmm. And this idea that we can't let somebody who may or may not have a penis into a women's change room because they will just take this as an opportunity to assault women and girls. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. It's like, so are they like, I don't know, I guess they're painted as equal opportunity offenders. I don't fucking know. It's it, the, the logic does not. It's gross. Yeah. It, is it, what you it can is. pull up the strings and it falls apart. And by it's gross. I mean, that logic is gross. Yeah, not abso- what they're claiming absolutely. is happening. Yeah, no, it's because it's not, it's not if you look, like statistically, it's not happening. That's just yeah. it. It's a panic. It's bullshit. Anyway. Hmm. Um, there was a, another thing that I noticed, uh, later on in the movie is there's a moment where Paul has a bit of empathy for one of the monsters and it's when he goes into the house and it's flooded and that monster attacks him and he mm-hmm. brains him with the chunk of toilet or like the toilet lid. Yeah. And then the monster's kids who very much look human show up and are crying over their papa and the monster's immediately humanized in his eyes, but it literally takes these human figures in a very normative nuclear family yeah. kind of juxtaposition for him to realize, wait, maybe they are normal because it's almost like you're the good kind. Yeah, his humanity is only 
made visible when it's in relation to children, mm-hmm. the human children. And yeah, I don't know. You see that so much with people who are different, where or different in scare quotes, whether it's trans or gay or like from a different religion or ideology, you'll see um, where people are only able to humanize it when it happens to someone close to them. Yeah. Like, it's not until they actually meet somebody who's gay or who's Muslim or who's what have you Whatever's and are forced to confront their humanity and go, oh. You're a person? You're a person. These are people? Like, and that's when you get that split where it's yeah. either like people realize the error of their ways or they do that whole, you're one of the, the good, good ones. ones. One of the few good ones, exactly. <laughs> and in this case, it was, I think it was absolutely one of the, you're one of the few maybe good ones. Because or, the horror just keeps amping up from there yeah. anyway. And it's like, or at least I feel bad for your kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lordy, we got uh, pretty heavy there, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, despite what it might sound like, I don't know about you, but I fucking love these movies. Absolutely. Same. I absolutely love these movies, and this reading is relatively new as far as how I looked at the movie, so uh-huh. I think that these movies are great, whether you want to read into them or not, and I highly recommend all of them. Uh, but there's another angle to this that fits in with the queer thing that maybe we can try and end on a lighter sure. note, um, but I noticed one thing that seems to be very big on social media with a lot of LGBT people are the idea of glow-ups. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a bit what a glow-up is? Yeah, it's, um, well, it's, it's when you're not just growing up, but you're glowing up. So it's, it's growing up, but you're not just aging, but it, to be, you know, presumably older, have more autonomy, whether it's, because a lot of the times it's pictures of a kid to an adult or, like, maybe a gangly, awkward teen to, like, a beautiful adult. Yeah. But yeah, that sort of idea of the transformation going from, like, the ugly duckling to the swan or the... Mm-hmm hairy caterpillar to the beautiful butterfly this this like yeah you're you're not just growing up you're improving yeah and one of the yeah. ones i love that shows up in the the queer community a lot is you'll either see that in terms of uh trans people where the glow up is they're living their authentic selves as yeah the, tra- and trans- the glow up is the transition yeah yeah or you see photos i've seen this a lot where women are with their prom dates they're very hetero sort of coded prom dates and then the glow up is them in a similar situation but they've realized they're either gay or bisexual and they're you know it'll be a woman with another woman Mm -hmm. as opposed to she's with the guy that she was dating because you're supposed to not because that's necessarily what she wanted and so it's the idea that i guess in these cases it's not just an improvement but it's a movement towards greater authenticity of the self and realize self-realization and just living like your truth so, uh, for Brundlefly, going back to the start, <laughs> what would you say is his greatest glow-up? Like, if you, were, glow if you were Brundleflying, what would you be, like, sober stoked to deal with? Um, I think it's, like, pretty cool when he can, like, walk on the walls. That is amazing. That figures. is so like, cool. That, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, I would love to glow-up. To, to be the, the queer who walks on walls and just, like... Like, I wouldn't want to have to go through the, the trauma of losing my fingernails and seeing that happen. Ooh, no, that's, pretty, gross. that's gross. They kind of just fall off, though. That's he true. Doesn't seem it, he doesn't so seem much like it's, like, horrified. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. You know, walking on walls is cool. And they also not having to chew. Oh, I, I don't... I just... I have such an aversion, though, to barf that <laughs> I, I think if I, I know, like, had that's... to, like, throw up on my own food, just digest it, I'd, like... Would never eat again. That, that's why I said it. I know. <laughs> um, I don't think I could get over that. At least not while I still had human functioning. <laughs> no, I'm with you on the walls. The walls mm-hmm. thing is great. Uh, what about... Well, 
Is there one with From Beyond? Because I just think of the, the part where, like, his face melts off, his body turns into silly putty, he grows a giant dick that fights Jeffrey Combs' giant dick, and then their faces <laughs> melt off and the skulls mech for a bit before biting each other. I think that's what happens. Mm, it's very, yeah. very weird. It is. Um... I guess not giving a shit is nice. Yeah. Like, in a, like, not in, like, a gross way, like, I don't care about you, but, like, in a... He's just like, hey, what's up, guys? And you're releasing your inhibitions. I'm just way. here hanging dumb. You guys want to hang? <laughs> yeah. If, like, I think it'd be great if the extension's like, if not, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not advocating, fl- we're not advocating flashing people. Exactly. And consent is, it's like you build it after the fact either. <laughs> it's, no. Um, but there is a, sort of a liberatory aspect behind the changes that occur in that movie. But I guess that one's probably the hardest to... Mm-hmm. Maybe Jeffrey Combs walking around with the, the little finale gland grown out of his face, sucking out people's eyeballs. That was kind of great. <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to do that. No, so, I wouldn't want know? to either. It's I just a great moment. It is. It is. <laughs> and then for Dagon? Um, I think the priestess lady. She has a kind of best of both worlds things ha- happening where she has the, the... She's got the downstairs of a couple of eels and the upstairs yeah. of... I, I really like the idea of mermaids and stuff growing up. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, that, that'd be sick, having the, like, human upstairs, but the, the nautical downstairs. Yeah. For me, it's the gills. Oh, The breathing yeah. underwater, which is part yeah, of yes, that. But yeah, that's just, true. You know, swimming is great, and it's, like, cool. Let me just get as deep as I want, and I'll just keep breathing this shit. No fear exactly. of drowning there. Exactly. That's some good shit. It's definitely a glow-up. Who glowed up the best? <laughs> um, like, I would say definitely Brundlefly until he starts falling apart. Yeah. But Brundlefly probably has the worst thing in the bunch of them. That's true. Um, hmm. Like, it becomes the most, like, egregiously, like, this is horrifying. Yeah. Probably Dagon. I was going to say Dagon, yeah. There is that sort of positive note to it where it's, yeah. like, weirdly, like, it's eternal oh, life. they were right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit, it is better over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which was a pleasant surprise, because it could have been, like, he, you know, was, like, trapped in fucking purgatory or hell or some shit for mm-hmm, eternity, mm-hmm. or, like, y- you know, like, he, it seems like if you want to have that religious, um, sort of element, or kind of metaphor for that same kind of, like, tr- Christian transformation, then right. you, we get the sense that he's in, he's in the eternal afterlife now, as opposed to in purgatory hell. Absolutely. Something like that. Yeah, she takes him by the hand and guides him towards the giant dagon Into symbol. the sunset, the, yes, the, the, the wonder and the music. It's it's not a horrifying it's not. moment, that's no, for it's sure. it's definitely, like, a revelation. Yeah. Ooh, so, uh, we really stretched ourselves on these ones, haven't we? Like, really? Yep. Um... <laughs> So before I ask for thoughts and mm-hmm. say like, hey, do people see these in other movies, these ideas? I'll just say right now, because I don't know if we foregrounded this in earlier episodes, but if you're just going to come at us with any kind of like transphobia on social media, just yeah. don't bother. We're not going to read it. Just don't. We're just yeah. going to ignore it. Um, but that goes across the board with any kind of uh, homophobia, misogyny, racism, yeah, we're not here anything. For it. Yeah. I'm not that anyone has or that we're no. necessarily expecting it. I just know social media can be pretty gross sometimes. It can be a cesspit. Yeah. Uh, but... How much are we stretching? I think we're stretching a lot, but at the same time, I think the way we're reading it, it's, it's not applicable. wrong. It's very, like, yeah. if you look at it's, it in terms of what we're looking at it, there's, it's rife with that. And yeah. I think that would extend to a lot of body horror movies. So yeah. are there any other ones that these ideas of 
fear of the unknown in terms of normative fears of trans people or just or, general any, any any group that's considered othered where the yeah. anxieties about them are enacted on their bodies do you do you see this in other movies like uh hit us up yeah. at queer horror cult and uh yeah it'd be cool to know what you hear hear what you know jesus hear what you think oh just add Lordy. us yeah just add us <laughs> okay so recommendations did I go first last time? You went first last time. Uh, so I'll go first, and my recommendation is a movie that I recommend with a giant warning. This is probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, one of the hardest movies for me to sit through. It is absolutely brutal and very abject and hard to watch, so be warned. But it's uh, this French movie from 2002 called In My Skin. Ooh. Yeah, that yes. was a... Uh, <laughs> That was something else to watch. It is watch. hard to watch. Um, all I'll really say about it is you have these horrifying, violent, painful mutilations of the body, but done as a compulsion for pleasure. And uh, it's hard to say without just spoiling the movie. I recommend watching it. We'll talk about it next time. Mm -hmm. uh, but steal yourself. If... The, like, cutting and self-mutilation is something that you just would not be able to do. This is not no. the movie for you. No. No, it's, it's, it is hard to watch. I think it's really well made. Uh, Absolutely. Going off the reviews, I might be in the minority there, but I, I really enjoyed it in the way that you can enjoy these sort of extreme movies. Mm -hmm. uh, not so much like, oh, that was great. Let's make out while it's on. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? What are, what are you recommending this week? Well, I was, I was trying to think of something that would go with anything that we were saying, and um, I didn't... Nothing came to mind as far as uh, the transformations, necessarily, but as far as this fascination with surgery, and the, because, you know, so many transgender people will tell you that they're, the second they come out or mention this stuff, people the first place people will go is, oh, are you going to get surgery, or oh, do you think she's had surgery? Or And there's these in super invasive questions that they would never ask a cisgender person about the state of their genitals, but it seems like it's just... Trans men or women, that's where it goes. Yeah, it's, it's like this deserves to be public knowledge and I can ask it whatever I want about it. Anyway, this fascination with surgery, with the body, with this idea of perfecting versus mutilating, this anxiety over this, I thought of Repo the Genetic Opera. Uh, yes, uh... Cult classic to some, a total disaster to others. From the both critical, to me? like perfect. Okay, uh, I've only seen this once. I'm excited yeah. to rewatch it. It's been a while. No, it came out. I was, I was still in high school, and yeah, my friends, you know, brought it over, and we watched it in my basement. And partway, I think at one point, I was like, "Why am I watching this movie?" And then later on, it's like, "Okay, that was pretty fun," and I I like it. It's, it's you get some good Bill Mosley in there. You do. get uh, Giles from Buffy in there. Paris Hilton. Like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's it's a fun. Oh, what was that story about? Um, Joan Jett's cameo. Oh yeah. Okay, so Joan Jett cameos in it. I don't know if you you know this or not. It's not it's not a plot point or anything. She just, just randomly she shows up that. during one of the songs because it's a, it's a musical. If you couldn't tell from the name, if you haven't seen it, it's the genetic opera. It's a musical. Um and yeah, during one of the music sequences. Joan Jett shows up and is just playing guitar in the background, looking all... Being Joan Jett. Being Joan Jett. And yeah, I went the first time I was watching it with uh, my friends, 
You're you're very like this was during the emo phase. I think that that's... it was a bit, little bit after. But okay, like, but I mean that was on your consciousness. That was, it, it, was. It, it existed, and, so uh, I think that's a good for My one friend, she goes, "Oh my," she's like, "Oh, that that guy is so hot," and I was like. Yo, that's Joan Jet. She's like fifty, and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, she looks fucking great. Like, it's like she is hot as hell. It's like you weren't wrong. You, you're not but... wrong in anything you said, but that's Joan Jet. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I love that story. What? This I friend is now fun. in a long-term relationship with a woman. I'm pretty sure she also thought she was straight at the time. So oh, just, snap. just the more you know. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Anyway, <laughs> one but, of us. One of yes. us. Google gobble. But yeah, this this whole idea of. Yeah, playing God, perfecting the human body, and then, but also having that, um, the element of regret in there. In this case, it's a very economic, financial, if you don't pay your debt, they will literally come and repossess your organs. Ooh. Yeah, it's, uh, which, again, is one of those, like, sort of cynical views into the possible future, but yeah. at the rate we're going does not seem especially unlikely. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a good one. That, I haven't seen it in a few, I think probably since the time we watched it together a few years yeah. ago. So, looking forward to revisiting it with oh, this fun. more, uh, maybe, critical economic lens. <laughs> and time will tell if we revisit In My Skin. It may yeah. have been... Uh, it might have just been, like, a one-time. Like, yeah, I remember it well enough. Yeah, it's been... Not enough time has passed since the trauma of that. Yeah. But... It's like, if I see it again ever, that will be too soon, possibly. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. You might catch me in a mood. <laughs> Perfect. We'll see. Be in the mood for in my skin. Uh. All right, <laughs> but it is a good movie. It's just it is, it's yeah. just hard to but watch. But there are movies like that though. Like I would say, Irreversible is one of those ones that I always say. Irreversible is my favorite movie that I just can't watch. <laughs> yeah, or to just never want to see again. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant, like, but it is but not. God, it's brutal. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not enjoyable <laughs> i enjoy it from the filmmaking perspective yeah, i think for sure yeah anywho anywho i think that's probably good for us uh today yeah um didn't think we're gonna get one recorded this week so this is a yeah pleasant surprise it, it might is. if it's a day late or so we apologize mm -hmm. uh, i'm and i hope the audio works better this time we're trying a different setup because uh we were having so many issues with the last episode yeah the weird echo what we had to take it down for a day and i just find it so everything. so weird because i did it the exact same way i did the other i know three episodes, yeah it's but this one had such an egregious problem compared yeah. to the other ones so, so we'll see setup. how this works see how it works yeah cool um we'll, we'll uh welcome any feedback yeah you can follow Except us on social media no more shit about sound and microphones and shit than we do oh yeah yeah for sure yeah there are definitely more people who know there well, are definitely people who know more about it. Everybody knows more yeah. than I do. You, I can't speak for. <laughs> there are, uh, yeah, I'm not a sound person. Anyway. You're way more of a sound person than I am. Okay, whatever. Anyway. anyway uh, get at us on social media. We're at We're Horror Called. And if you can, give us a rate, like on iTunes. Give yeah. us uh, a rating. It'll just get more people noticing. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, even though we were talking about the entirety of the unrealistic horrors of the queer agenda trying to convert people like all episode convert your friends yeah spread the queer agenda. tell them to join the cult yes <laughs> yeah all right cool so you want to send off yeah yeah don't forget to take it easy and keep it sleazy you said that a little sleazy i kind of like it that's what i was going for <laughs> nice i'm glad it read nice <laughs> all right later mm -hmm.